I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. The benefits of strength training for runners. Strength training is key for all athletes playing sports. It can also help runners become faster, more efficient, and prevent injuries. Let's face it though, running takes up a lot of our time. As runners, we know that running more usually means that you become faster to a given point. Um, So when we are already running short on time, because running is taking up so much of our time, it can be really hard to think that we also need to make time for this strength training and for mobility exercises. Um, Isn't running already enough? The short answer is running is probably not enough. Running is great for your cardiovascular health and improving endurance, but it is not the only thing that you should be doing if you want to become a great athlete and an all-around healthy person and most likely avoid injuries. So we decided to dive in with this topic and we're going to cover a few things here in this podcast. The first is how strength training helps with injury prevention. The next is about imbalances that can occur in our body and just giving some examples of that and how strength training can help correct that. Next, we're going to be talking about strength training, helping with finishing kick and our raw speed as an athlete and why that would be important. Even if we're training for marathons or really long distance events, why do we need to have that raw speed? And the next is how it helps our running economy and running form um, and our efficiencies. And then the final point we're going to touch on is improving the neuromuscular connections and why that is important um, with that big fancy word there, basically meaning the mind-body connection, firing the entire muscle, um, all of those things. So there's a lot of good topics we're going to be covering in this episode, and strength training is just a really important Um, piece of the puzzle for all athletes. That's kind of how we intro the podcast is that all athletes should be incorporating strength training. And I think historically, if you look at resistance training and strength training and where it all began, um, it's relatively new to the sport of running, right? So I think there's this historical way of thinking back in the 70s, 60s, and maybe even 80s, where the thought was runners don't need to strength train. And so we're gonna kind of myth bust that and maybe talk a little bit about the roots and kind of what are some of the things in the sport that you noticed over the years, how things have evolved from, okay, runners don't need to strength train or that whole myth of runners should 
use really light weights and do a ton of reps. Um, how has that evolved over the years? Yeah, I think it's a good starting point to think about. And I like how you mentioned back even before, you know, I was born, how it was thought of, you know, that runners shouldn't really lift at all, um, right? Because they're worried that right. that's going to take away from their, their endurance or their speed. And so it might slow them down. And I think, you know, over the, especially the last like 20 years, especially, that's where I've seen it sort of changed from this approach to, you know, like you mentioned, lifting um, high reps, low weight to shifting and, and now increasing the weight, doing maybe um, fewer, fewer reps, but maybe more sets. So, you know, back when I started right around um, in a high school, early college career, it used to be like, you know, you strive for about three, two to three sets of 10 to 12 <laughs> reps. Um, but it was a light weight. So, you know, you, right. you could you could easily do another full set if you had to. And I think the thought there was obviously, you know, we're endurance athletes, so we shouldn't be lifting for power or for raw strength. Like we're just trying to kind of improve our overall endurance by adding a little resistance to the muscles, right? So um, that's kind of how we lifted for a few years until we really um, had a strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning um, coach who would, uh, you know, work with all the athletes on campus. And then they uh, began to introduce, you know, some of those other concepts like um, not, e not even just higher um, weight, you know, fewer reps, but more uh, like plyometrics and more explosive mm -hmm. stuff that would, would work on our power. Right. And I think just the information and the knowledge and the scientific studies that have come out um, since then have really helped to evolve the sport of running. And one of the books that I recently read is called Winning by Tim Grover. And he was actually um, like a personal trainer and like a coach for uh, Michael Jordan and for, I, th I believe it's Kobe Bryant, right? But he was talking about when he first started with Michael Jordan, how they really didn't do a whole lot with strength training and how it evolved over time. And one of the things that he wanted to do was really kind of ramp up the strength training. And a lot of people had their doubts about that. They're like, why would you work your biceps or why would you try to build Michael Jordan's biceps, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but over time, it actually obviously proved to pay off and a lot of people started adopting this and um now i think it's just something that's more regularly accepted i think people understand that like strength training equals stronger athletes um and you see professional sports teams all the time they dedicate entire huge locker rooms to it and and all of those um things where it it becomes a forefront of the sport instead of like this thing you do maybe on the side if you have time. Um, and I think with distance runners, it is such a unique sport. It's not like basketball where you need a lot of power. It's not like football where it's like, you need a lot of power, you need to bulk up. Um, it's something where I know we've all probably heard this before where people will ask like, well, you know, if I'm lighter, am I gonna run faster? And we all know that, you know, if you're building muscle, especially um, men, I mean, you can probably put on muscle a little bit easier than some of the women can, but um, just the idea of being as small as possible equals being as fast as possible and that whole thing just being debuked. Um, so what are your thoughts and have you ever heard of people being worried to quote unquote bulk up <laughs> while they are a runner? I mean, you probably get this more as a male um, than, than I would, but have you ever, were you ever exposed to that sort of culture when you were in college? People would be like, oh, don't lift too heavy. Um, or was that not really a thing? Yeah. I think, you know, early on the fear was more don't lift too heavy because, um, you don't want to like strain something or get hurt. Right. Which could take mm -hmm. away from your running. Um, but I think it was really just a fear of pushing yourself, like not being comfortable or familiar with how to, how to do that. 
and it's really important that as we discuss this, like lifting should be kind of sort of a progression as, as running is. So, you know, when you're starting to add more weight, it's really important that you build slowly. I'm talking like add five pounds here, add five pounds there, you know, increase your, your reps very slowly as well. Maybe you're doing four, you know, maybe you're doing four sets of four of something. And then the next time you're doing four sets of five. So that, you know, that, that sort of thing is what I mean when we progress slowly. And, and then also maybe just increasing the weight. If you're using dumbbells, for example, you know, going from like 12 point or 12 pound weights to 15, that sort of thing. And I think, um, now that I've gotten a little bit older and we're working more remotely with with athletes on online, we do see it come in quite a bit with, with concerns of athletes that don't want to, they don't want to, you know, implement too much strength training because they're afraid of maybe, um, you know, like you mentioned, bulking up and that could Mm. take away from their running. So adding extra weight and, and I think there's this uh, misconception that, you know, the type of lifting you would have to do to actually put that much weight on or that much strength on top of the also like nutritional changes that you'd have to make, like those people at the gym Mm. that are really trying to bulk up, they're there five, six days a week. Like that's, they're doing that, like that's their form of running. So they're working different muscle groups every day and some of the muscle groups get worked repeatedly. And so it's just like, um, I don't think you would have to be concerned lifting two or three days a week, you know? Right. And that's the whole thing is people do, I mean, it takes a lot of work and effort to bulk up. Um, I mean, you really have to be hitting it with like a caloric surplus and really pushing yourself in the gym, like lifting pretty heavy weights. Um, and like you said, most people, we want them to start at a very easy, slow progression. And so if you're someone who's never strength trained before, um, you might just start with like body weight squats, Mm -hmm. right? You might do like three sets of like five reps of body weight squats, see how you feel the next day. Um, those sort of things and implementing maybe some band work, you're just gonna do like a slow introduction because everything that we want you to do is using the progressive overload principle. So you wanna really start small. And I know when I first got into fitness, um, I was someone who kind of introduced lifting and running at the same time, just because I was trying to become a healthier person. You know, I was 19 years old, um, I'd go to the gym, I'd run a little bit and I'd do some strength training. Um, and what I did notice is strength training when you overdid it would leave you a lot mm-hmm. more sore than running. Um, there would be times where maybe I'd just overdo it by a little bit. I had no idea what I did and I wasn't able to like walk the next day. And so then you get some people who are afraid of lifting because every time they lift, it makes right. running impossible for a couple of days. Um, so talk to me a little bit about delayed onset muscle soreness and is that something that you've experienced and what are some ways to avoid that? Uh, yeah, I've experienced it a, a lot over the years. And, <laughs> and one thing, you know, there's times where my lifting maybe is a little bit more lax than it should be. So mm-hmm. if I fall off the bandwagon a bit and then when I start up, if, I, if I'm a little bit too aggressive in the weight room, um, I'll definitely feel it for like two, three days after. And that will really cut into my running. I'll just have to run really slow. Um, a lot of times you can get through the runs, but it's just like takes a mile or two to really warm up those muscles. But um, another thing I noticed too is like it depends, you know, obviously the weight is important, but also the type of lifts that you're doing. Because if you're, to me, the ones that are going to be the most detrimental, maybe the most sore would be like barbell squats right. um, or barbell deadlifts. I don't know what it is about those two, but that just to me leaves me more sore than anything else, or if I'm doing lunges with like uh, heavier dumbbells than I should. So if you are kind of coming off of a time where you haven't been that active in the gym for a while, or you're just slowly, you know, sort of progressing, I would just recommend starting, like you said, with body weight. Mm -hmm. Um, You could also do, use dumbbells or kettlebell as opposed to using the barbell, because I think it just gives you a little bit less weight. You know, sometimes you get on the barbell and you want to throw on the big plates, especially if you're a guy, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be seen only putting like 
I don't know, 10 pounds on each side right. or 25 on each side because you're not even squatting 100 pounds, that sort of thing. So I think it's important to kind of check your ego and really just um, do what feels, it's kind of like running, you know, we, we are going to, um, we, we're always going to stop before we could do more and it should be the same way in the weight room, uh, especially early on. Right. Delayed onset muscle soreness, I feel like comes up really quickly because we physically can lift a lot and you know, your, your max, uh, squat might be, you know, X and then you go, you put on like half of that, you do a couple reps and boom, the next day you can barely walk. And that just, it just depends on like how frequently you've been lifting and like how your body is adapting to that sort of thing. But like you said, if you go like a month without lifting and you go and you do just even something that doesn't seem that taxing, um, it can leave you with that ability to feel like I can't even walk or that inability to walk um, in the days after. And so it's really important to do that progressive overload. So if you are someone who maybe has been really inconsistent, maybe due to getting DOMS all the time, late onset muscle soreness, um, you want to start really light. So the good news is maybe you don't even have to go to the gym. Maybe all you need to do is some body weight squats, right? Mm -hmm. Even doing like one-legged squats on your own, hovering over a chair, that can be a really um, good one for glutes uh, at home. Like a lot of people think they have to like go all in right away, but it's that progressive overload that's really important. So starting really small, um, you can even get like a kettlebell to do your squats. Like let's say body weight just isn't um, enough for you. It's not challenging getting a kettlebell or getting some dumbbells that you can use to increase the weight. And then once you kind of get to a place where you know you can do a kettlebell squat with good form um feeling good and you're not getting you know super sore after it then maybe oh, you can get up to the um, barbell squats right so we don't uh, i know we have like a barbell in our basement and i will often show myself like doing some lifts on there and people are like oh my gosh you're you know you're lifting so much and in reality i'm not lifting that much on there but as runners if you're not exposed to like even the progressive overload of how did you even get to that point of being able to squat right. on the rag? It starts with bodyweight exercises. And so at the time of recording this podcast, it's like I'm 10 months postpartum. And when I started my postpartum comeback, like I literally would just like do five reps of like air squats, body weights, and then slowly progressing back to just squatting with dumbbells, squatting with a kettlebell, um, and then squatting with just the bar. And then it was like slowly adding on weights. And this is a progression over the course of months, right? Um, and so if you are too sore that it leaves you unable to walk without like pain for a day or two, that's how you know you overdid it. So starting back and, and making sure we're not overdoing it is super important because I think that's where a lot of people will just be like, okay, this isn't working for me because I need to be able to run. And so they just need to go back to the basics, right? And sometimes, like you said, keeping your ego in check. I know that people want to be able to lift um, heavier weights, but that comes with time, right? Uh, so I guess diving into some of the benefits here, uh, we want to talk about strength training in terms of injury prevention. And so a lot of runners, like I just pulled on my Strava to give an example, um, a 32 mile week for me, and that's an average of like just under nine minute pace probably, it takes almost five hours uh, to do that. Um, if I'm running about 50 miles a week, it's about seven hours of time. So that's an hour a day, and that's already 
a lot of time dedicated to working out, right? So a lot of people listening are right there with me, right? They spend, you know, anywhere between like three to probably seven hours a week running and they just can't wrap their head around, okay, why would strength training be important if I have to run all these miles in order to build my aerobic base and become a stronger runner? How is running going to help? And maybe you can speak a little bit to that just with that whole injury train that I know you have been on in the past um, and just speaking about your experience there. Yeah, well, I'll give you a little background because in college I didn't get injured much and I think a lot of that contributed to not only being young but having more, being more exposed to um, things like dynamic warm-up drills, you know, team drills, mm. team lifts, yeah. stuff like that that just got you, uh, you know, got those muscles, tendons, ligaments just stronger, sort of like without even realizing it. Like if it wasn't, you know, it's not like I am now where I, I'm like, oh, I have to set aside this 30 mm. minutes. It was just something that was kind of part of our practices and so... Um, you know, you're social with your teammates when you're when you're doing it. And I think that, you know, as, as you're an individual independent adult working out, it's a lot harder to kind of stay accountable, especially like you said, if you're running, you know, an hour a day or whatever. Right. Um, so you have to find out what works for you. And that could be that could be uh, working with a trainer once a week, maybe doing a video at home, you know, whatever it is that motivates you taking a class at the gym um, and then just, you know, figuring out how much how much time you're willing to allocate and sometimes it's worth taking an extra day off of running or cutting yes. those runs short yeah. even by like you know if you cut the run short by two miles so if you're used to doing five miles in your easy recovery days you could do three or three and a half yeah. and then that gives you like 15 20 extra minutes there where you could just do some some exercises afterwards and so figuring out you know how many days a week are you going to start with and i would say two is a pretty good number just for a person that's beginning to add strength training to their routine and then figuring out, you know, on what days do you want to do it because you don't want to necessarily do it the day before like a hard workout, you know, or a long run. So try to do it on those harder days or possibly the next day if you have more time. Um, and then, yeah, just figuring out kind of like the place, time, place, that sort of thing and availability with, with weights and equipment. Right. Definitely. I think keeping your hard days hard and your easy days easy. So either lifting on your hard running workout days or the next day and then allowing, you know, two days in between for full recovery of just only easy running or rest days um, is great to optimize that because you don't want to be stressing the body every single day. Whenever you're doing a lifting workout, it is some stress on the body. And when you're doing a running workout, it's stress on the body. Um, the easy running days should be at an easy enough pace where your body is allowed to kind of recover on those days. And that's why you want to put them in between. Um, but I did really like what you said about how maybe when you were younger, you you kind of got away with strength training or got away with not strength training. And I think that's an important thing to uncover there, right? So you strength trained in college and then after college, you you weren't really consistent with it. Um, and then you were fine training. I mean, you trained pretty well for a couple of years um, and you got away with not strength training. But then all of a sudden, you know, we're four years into that cycle. Um, and you're approaching maybe your later 20s and then boom like all of a sudden it's like injury after injury after injury after injury um and i think for that cycle to continue occurring and then like not adding in strength training i'm sure that was something that um yeah. caused you to kind of be held back and i think one of the biggest changes that you've made in recent years has been being more consistent with your strength training and the mobility and the pt exercises and those things that help the imbalances and help you stay healthy because the number one thing here is that for runners you have to be consistent in order to get better at running um, so we're not denying that 
running is obviously going to be, you know, a high priority, probably like the highest priority. If you're trying to become a faster runner, you have to build your aerobic base. You need to have running miles under your belt, obviously. Um, but the thing that allows you to be consistent there is to be injury free, right? To not have these things flare up and cause you to take you know, months, weeks, days, years off of a training cycle because an injury can pop in and derail you for a really long time. Um, so that's why it's really important to strength train to make sure that these imbalances aren't happening um, within the body. So the consistency factor is huge and talking a little bit about like how does strength training really prevent injuries, right? So I know you've spent a lot of time in like physical therapy over the years and just talking to um, PTs and we have a lot of um, personal trainers even just within Run for PRs and I know they're always like hammering home the same points about imbalances that happen within the body and how it's really important to correct those things. So can you talk to me about maybe your experiences or just your experiences with athletes um, and how strength training can help fix these imbalances within the body? Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that in college we do a lot of like warm up drills and strengthening and, you know, even like power strides and stuff like that. And I think that a lot of times that, that was enough at the time to strengthen, strengthen those connective tissues, those muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, because when you're running faster too, you are, you know, you're stronger, you're improving your gait and your form and all of that. And we would also do core every day, pretty much after practice. So we'd spend 10, 15 minutes doing core strength exercises. We would still get to the weight room, but it wasn't super consistent. Um, fast forward now where, you know, we're not training the same, we're not doing all those little things, but we're still right. maybe trying to train the same way, like head to the track, mm -hmm. do speed, but you're missing out on all those little things. And so that's where the injuries I think started to kind of creep into my, my, um, right. my life. And so the, the main injuries that I've had to deal with that have been kind of nagging over the years would be like the, the calf type, the calf cramps or whatever you want to call it, calf strain, and then Achilles tendonitis. And, um, a lot of times those will arise from maybe imbalances um, somewhere further up the leg, right? So maybe it's a glute, mm, maybe it's a hamstring, maybe right. it's a quad. And so through, you know, a lot of different uh, visits to PTs, I've, I've gone about right. three over the years <laughs> and, um, you know, I've experimented with lots of different treatments from active release therapy, Graston, um, E-STEM, dry needling, um, you name it pretty much. And so I always like to ask the PT, like what, you know, if you had to give me four things to focus on, like four right. exercises, what what would what would they be because i always like to kind of see the different answers that these you know experts have um and then too knowing that they're coming from a place of more like injury prevention not necessarily like trying to gain all this strength right and so typically um you know they're always very similar answers but they mm -hmm. may have different modifications so like deadlift would be one uh specifically like single leg deadlift so however you want to do that you know with kettlebell dead dead um or dumbbells or just your own body weight and so I think single leg uh, exercises are really good for balance and for, um, you know, just strengthening all of the, because when you think about like, and you can do these on a BOSU ball even. So you think about single leg, you know, you're everything from down around your ankle is being kind of um, strengthened to give you that stability so that you're standing up straight, right? And then all the way up the leg is working. So I think that would be one. And then core is usually another answer. So there's a lot of exercise you can do for core. Um, and then like squat, so squat, you can break that down. You mentioned earlier mm -hmm. how to progress your squats from body weight. You know, you could do single leg, you could do single leg off a step and then move up to dumbbell squats, barbell and, you know, kettlebell, all that. So, um, 
those are kind of like the main three that I've been, you know, those are common answers that I get from the PTs. And then a lot of times they'll give me extra exercises to try to strengthen the glute or, you know, hamstring glute bridge would be like another one I would say would be a, a close fourth. So, you know, laying on your back and lifting up your, your, you know, your pelvic area and, and trying to strengthen all your firing your hamstring and your glute. So a lot of times, um, for runners, obviously the injuries were most common are it band, plantar fascia, calf, um, those sorts of things, maybe quad or hamstring strain. And so by, you know, doing like those four things consistently or some variation of those four, I think you can kind of target the entire, you know, lower leg. Right. And I do think one thing that I really noted about that was that you have had the same injury coming back around the same area, like repetitively over the last couple of years, it seemed to always be, you know, like lower leg, Achilles, calf sort of situation. And I think for a lot of athletes, maybe they can relate to that where, you know, it's the same sort of injury. Maybe it's always something in your foot. Maybe it's always something in your calf. Maybe it's always your hamstring. Um, And then sometimes maybe when you fix that, something else flares up. And so sometimes athletes can be on like this hamster wheel of injury where they just keep getting the same flare up or they keep having the same spot kind of just going on and off. It's either on or it's off, you know, sort of thing. And that's why I think going to physical therapy is huge because when you are there with someone in person that can actually assess what your imbalances are, you actually get insight into your specific body and you're able to get specific exercises for you um, that can help with this problem. I am someone who has been relatively injury free, knock on wood. Um, but the two injuries that I have that have really, you know, impacted my training, even in a small way would be plantar fasciitis. I've had it two times, once in 2000 and oh, 2012. And then in 2020, Um, Like right after giving birth, I had it. And so both of the times that I had it, obviously you can look back and see, okay, maybe a little bit of training error, maybe I ramped up a little bit too fast, those sort of things. But at the end of the day, um, going to a podiatrist who specializes in runners, he was like, oh, actually, no, you have a very flat foot. Um, you need to be doing like these foot exercises and I'm like, what are foot exercises? Right. So like you see this table and you're like, this isn't going to help. Right. So he gave me like this list of like eight foot exercises and he's like, where, where are these to like strengthen your feet, these little orthotics, like when you're walking around and stuff. So I was like, okay. Um, and you think that's like hosh posh and it's, it's not going to do anything, but I was like desperate, right. I needed to get better. Um, so I started doing like, these exercises every day like while sitting at my desk and using the orthotics and stuff and it completely healed so what I think is really interesting is that the anatomy can be so different from person to person and even looking at my own foot I do not feel like I have a flat foot right but when they are scanning it and they're doing all of their tests and everything they're able to see those things that you maybe aren't and so you might listen to this and be like oh maybe that's my problem but it's like you have really no idea these are all like anecdotal stories and so I think it's really important to go in to someone in person Um, find someone that either your insurance is covered with, try to get a referral or go to a place that does out of pocket. If you have like high deductible plan, those sort of things, but it is totally worth the investments. Otherwise you're just going to continue down the same cycle and path of re-injuring something. And if running is important to you, um, it probably is because you're listening to a podcast like this. Uh, I think it is really important to get those things addressed. And even if it's something that's not hindering your running, like you're still able to quote unquote, run through it, which I hate that term, 
But if it's just something that, that kind of like twinges every once in a while, it's better to be proactive and go in right. and get it checked out than to just be like, oh, you know, like I just won't increase the load or I just won't train right. for this race because I don't want it to flare up because then we have some people that are living on that lineup wanting to train for something but feeling like they can't because they don't want this thing to flare up, quote unquote. Um, so that's why I think going in, getting a physical therapist, getting a diagnosis, um, and keeping in touch with that person and saying like, hey, like what are some exercises I should be doing based on like these imbalances that are going on in my body? Um, and like you said, all of it is connected. And so it might be a hip problem. It might be a glute problem. There's so many things. And just having those little exercises to do in addition to a regular strength training res- regimen can really take your running from being lackluster or unable to do something past a certain point to really actually being able to reach your potential in the sport. And that's why I think this podcast is super important because I think there's a lot of people who are trapped in that like gray zone area of being like afraid to overdo it and get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and they maybe just aren't being as consistent as they should with the strength training or the physical therapy exercises. Yeah. I like how you mentioned like being proactive because over the years, you know, I've, I've, I've noticed cause I've had the same calf injury multiple times. I noticed when it's sort of starting to feel like it's early onset of a full on calf strain. And so I'm able to kind of back off on running and really target it with some strength training, maybe some PT and usually get it to turn around without having to take much time off. Um, but early on, like I was just still training the same way and I get these like full on strains that would put me out for yeah. weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to like full rehab to get back just to being able to run for a minute. And so I think, um, you know, a lot of times, depending on where you're at with your training and if something is bothering you, your strength sessions might look different, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are trying to rehab some, a certain area, get something better, you may be doing more of like the PT-based exercises that they prescribe and tell you to do. Right. Um, other times, if you're pretty healthy and you're tr- just trying to kind of generally maintain strength or improve strength, then you're going to be focused on maybe a different program uh, where you're in- incorporating different um you know, exercises or weights, but yeah. I think it's just really dependent on where you're at with your journey. And I've been to a few PTs for multiple reasons. Obviously I, I've, I enjoy different, um, you know, the strengths that they all bring, but I felt like one area wasn't getting uh, the whole picture uh, presented to me. So I wanted some other experts opinion about like, what could I do beyond just like the calf and the Achilles right. and the low, lower foot? What can I do with like my core and my glute, my hamstring, all that. So I wanted some different exercises and try some different treatment modalities. And so, you know, if you're, if you're visiting a PT or Cairo, who's not really giving you a, yes. a lot, don't be so afraid to explore new options. So true. Um, cause sometimes you get, you know, all that you're going to get out of a PT and then it's like, you need even more cause you're not progressing. You're not continuing like sure. Maybe you're fine, but if you run over seven miles, this thing flares up. So I think going to see another doctor and be like, Hey, you know, I used to run marathons. I, I literally can't run more than seven miles. Like I, I need to figure this out. What can I do? Like I'm willing to put in the work, that sort of thing. Um, it's great to always, you know, go around and see, uh, other professionals who can help you, um, with whatever thing is going, going on in your body. Um, and like you said, it could look different at different phases. And I know coming back postpartum, you know, some of the people who come back, it's like you, the first couple of weeks, it's like you just are doing like engaging your core breathing exercises just to learn how to re-engage your core. And so that might sound super boring, like laying on the floor, like trying to re-engage your core and then breathing out correctly. But that's the foundation, right? You need to have your core that's engaging properly when you're running and doing all of these lifts. And so it really starts at that foundational level and then it builds progressively. So if you are at a place where you're rehabbing back from either, you know, childbirth or an injury, 
it is gonna feel so boring like when mm. i had to do those feet exercises for yeah. plantar fascia i mean you're talking to someone that like yeah. runs you know an hour a day and they're like yeah just like you know curl your toes 20 times and it it's so boring and it just feels like you're doing nothing but over time it actually does make a huge difference and so don't um, think that it's not gonna pay off because the foundation of your running is so key. And then if you ever do let those things kind of go to the wayside and you don't have that strong foundation, you'll find that things kind of creep back up. So that's why it's really important to continue um, implementing those things. I know it can sound kind of mundane and it's not as fun to do like those drills and the PT exercises before you run, but if it keeps you healthy and it keeps you consistent, that's the best thing you can do for your running. And so now that we've kind of covered all of that injury stuff, helping you stay consistent, um, we can dive into more of the, the benefits of, you know, let's say you're not injured. Let's say you were just working on getting stronger. I know I'm kind of on a kick right now where I am trying to gain some strength. Um, I'm not in marathon specific training right now, and I'm just hoping that I can maybe increase um, what I can lift in the deadlift and in the squat. And it, it's a fun way to set goals. And so I know sometimes people are afraid to push themselves with strength training, especially when they're training for a running specific event. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the benefits of how being a stronger runner can actually help you in terms of that raw speed and a finisher's kick, right? So how does strength training help with the raw speed? Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really interesting to think about that, you know, you've progressed to a point now where you're focused more on, you know, increasing the weight, really pushing yourself. Right. Um, and so you can handle it, right? Because you've built your body up to be able to handle that. And I think the months and months of work that you've put in, um, not only has it helped you imp improve strength, but there's obviously benefits that are going to correlate correlate to your, your running. And that would be things like just feeling stronger on your runs, mm -hmm. um, improving your overall efficiency as a runner or your gait, um, your speed, especially at the end. You know, when you think about like if you're doing heavy weights and you're getting to that, like those last like two reps, for example, where you're almost going to exhaustion, that becomes anaerobic. And so that's going to translate over into like your race. And so when we think about, you know, if you're doing shorter distances or whatever, we always want to finish strong, right, with our kick. And so that's going to translate over into um, having a fast finish and that could really improve your you know your raw speed and complement that especially if you're working on that in your run training and so um, yeah I think you know as we age we tend to lose muscle mass and it's really important to just figure out um, how can we you know find a way to stay consistent with strength training just as we are with our running over time and it doesn't we don't need to go through like always be in this build phase it can be more of like a maintenance phase but if we fall off completely then we're gonna be starting over again and I think that's that's really tough as you're trying to, you know, see these new gains in your running. Yeah, I think strength is is a huge part of things. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, finishers kick, who cares? But hitting those top end speeds uh, is really it's it's a good feeling. It's a confidence booster. It allows you to just really feel good at the end of the race, right? No one wants to be in the finisher's shoot and have a bunch of people like just blowing by them, right? It makes you feel kind of slow. And I think. Um, gosh, Peter Bromka, he almost qualified for the Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, a writer and yeah. stuff. And he wrote up a post once that was really good about how, you know, maybe he didn't, you know, qualify in whatever marathon it was. But at the end of the race, he said that he knew that the strength training was benefiting him because at the end of the marathon, it was like the last anaerobic push. And he said that like this whole body weight, just like laying down on one leg and then the next, it's just all, mu you're muscling through those final finisher steps. And for someone who's, 
trying to reach a really specific time goal. Maybe that's qualifying for Boston. Maybe it's running a certain time in a 5K or whatever it may be or qualifying for the Olympic trials, right? Um, literally every second does count. And so right. if you are able to um, capitalize on whatever that like 1% of the race is, because the marathon is 99% aerobic. So it's like, yeah, okay, 99%. But like if you get that 1%, that's going to benefit you in some way. Um, so the finisher's kick, it is important. And I think, you know, it, it just helps in other ways, right? So it's anaerobic. Um, we always say the 5K is 10% uh, anaerobic. So 90% aerobic, 10% anaerobic. Um, but if you're talking about like a 20 minute race, if you're running a 20 minute 5K, that's 60 seconds of, you know, straight anaerobic there. So it does, it does make a difference. Um, um, in the shorter distance events for sure could be the difference between you getting your goal and you not getting your goal right um, and also as we age so even when you're starting you're like your 30s right you start to lose muscle every decade and um, if you're so if you're just not strength training you're losing muscle mass right so the just to maintain you have to be trying to um, get stronger and strength train just to maintain your muscle and so that means over time then your muscles are going to become weaker you're not going to be able to run as fast at those top end paces because they do require power and all those things so if you want to maintain your speed as you get older strength training is the way to go and so as we move um, on from you know that finisher's kick and that raw speed portion uh, into the improved running economy. Um, what can we say there? So what exactly is running economy? Is that the same as like your running form and your efficiency or how do they relate? Yeah, I mean, similar. It's more like um, what muscles are doing in the work basically to get you moving forward and to get you moving fast. And so, you know, you want to have, um, you want to have all your muscles kind of working together. You don't want to be placing like extra um, stress on the lower leg, like the calf and the Achilles, because then that's a recipe for injury. So you want to make sure that your glutes are strong and they're firing. And that, right. um, you know, I think for me, a lot of times I, when I got away from all the lifting and the, the drills and all that, it took years and years, but eventually I think I just kind of had like a sleepy glute on my left side that just wasn't like, it just wasn't doing its job when I was running. Um, and that's what one of the PTs helped me realizes like hey you can you can strengthen this area and it's going to wake back up and you're going to feel stronger and so um yeah i think just making sure that all your muscles are kind of complementing one another and they're doing like equal parts of the work you know that's to me that's what running economy is and um kind of thinking back to when you said the anaerobic piece that to me is um obviously the most difficult part of, of any exercise right so you get to the end of your race um, we're really having it gridded out there because our body's without oxygen. Mm -hmm. Same thing in the weight room when you're on those final reps. And we think about what, what is that doing for us mentally? Cause it's teaching us this positive habit of like really persevering and pushing through, right. not giving up and think about how that's going to translate over to your running. And when you do that consistently and repeatedly, um, I just think you're, you're sort of like moving the bar just ever so slightly. And eventually you're going to be a lot more confident as a runner. Right. Yeah. Just even adding on to that point about the simple act of pushing yourself in the weight room, translating on the road. Like, yeah, they're totally different. One's anaerobic, one's aerobic. Um, but it's the same principle of pushing yourself. And so I have seen people come to run for PRs who are like, yeah, I've never ran before or like I've never really ran more than a couple miles. And, and they totally are just not quote unquote runners. They don't identify as that, but they're like machines in the weight room. Like they're, they're these crazy CrossFit people. And they're like, yeah, I just want to run a marathon. And then they, they go out and run like a 307 first marathon. And you're like, what? How is that? But I think because they are athletic and they're lifting all the time and like they just have that athlete's mindset 
they don't need to do maybe as much training as someone who's never been involved in athletic endeavors because it can be really hard to go from someone that's never participated in sports to someone who understands their body and how to push themselves past their comfort zone. Um, so that's why I think strength training can also make you a stronger runner just from that mental standpoint because you're learning how to push yourself in a different way. You're learning how to push your body in a different way. And then when you're out there on the road, you're like, well, remember that last rep in the weight room? You know, like I pushed through that and this is easy. Like I got this. And so it's just a confidence piece there. And then that athlete's mindset of if you, you know, it translates, right? So sometimes even people, like if you look at Ryan Hall, right? He was a super great marathoner. And then you would think just looking at him back in 2009, like, oh, he just has this runner's body. Like it's natural, gifted. Mm -hmm. But then he goes, retires from running. He's like, no, I'm gonna like become a bodybuilder, like weightlifter. And you look at him now and it's like unrecognizable. You would not think that he was once a marathoner because our bodies are so adaptable. And so he threw himself, he threw that competitive mindset, that athlete's mindset into strength training and he wanted to like gain as much muscle mass as he can. And so that's just an example of that athlete's mindset in two different scenarios. Um, you get two different <laughs> results, right? So it's kind of cool. Um, I like examples like that where you can see that it is really about the hard work and knowing how to push yourself and all of those things. Yeah, we talk a lot about like the lower body and stuff too. And I want to mention like the upper body and the core, super important too yes. with running, especially as we get in longer races. You know, we, we are watching the obviously the, at the Olympics, think back to Molly Seidel. And just, I remember how strong she looked mm. the entire race, like even at mile like 22. And we were just talking about like how her form looked exactly like it did, you know, two miles right. in. And yep. so it's just like, I think that that's a really another benefit and something to keep in mind um, is we're trying to just be, be stronger on the run throughout the entire run. And so the more you can strength train and just be consistent with it, it's going to have huge payoffs for you. Which is funny because I do think I saw Ryan Hall once on Facebook say something like, it's not necessary to train your upper body if you're trying to become, you know, an elite marathoner. But that being said, most of us aren't elite. So, oh, right. Right. <laughs> but when I'm, I'm just talking about running economy, how right. your upper body should still look efficient. Like right. if you're starting to lean forward or something like that, or your arms start to swing kind of across the midline, that's what I mean in totally. that you're not, you're not as efficient, you're not going to be as fast. And so it is important to do at least the core strength um, you probably don't need to be doing, you know, arm curls right. and stuff like right. that. But I think there's benefits to doing some some upper body exercises. Right. And even like anecdotal experience here, you know, I've done a lot of marathons. I've done 20 marathons and most of them were prior to me strength training regularly. And I just remember in those later miles of the race, I used to just get like this horrible like upper back pain. Like it would right. feel like a knife stabbing. Um, you know, my shoulders would kind of shrug over that sort of situation. Um, and just thinking back to like my last couple marathons, I would always be afraid for the later miles because I thought that was going to happen because you're already in so much pain. You don't want like to have back pain, um, upper shoulder issues. But then I, I just haven't had that experience. And so it just kind of dawned on me that it's probably due to, you know, strength training, upper upper body and, and back, right? So you have to have a really good foundation to be able to run for a long time and not fatigue out. Um, and it's probably just learning how to fire those muscles right and and when you're having that like hunched over look um at the end of the race that's putting uh strain you know on your neck back those sort of things and if you're someone that is getting those sharp pains i would say hey maybe it might be worth uh you know seeing a pt about it but also maybe just incorporating some strength training so that you're stronger in those areas so that you don't like end up slouching 
Um, and then the next point, the final point we wanted to talk about on this podcast was about the improved neuromuscular connections. And so that's a really big fancy word, like the whole mind-body connection, that sort of thing. Um, we've talked about this before when it comes to strides. So the reason we like to do strides, which is basically 20 seconds, 30 seconds of really fast running um, at like top end speed with um, some full recovery in between. And the reason we do that is to help with that neuromuscular connection, to have that whole muscle firing, because sometimes when we're like trotting along at a really easy pace, um, our body is really lazy and it's efficient. So it's gonna use like your strongest muscle fibers and um, that sort of thing to run. And it's not gonna utilize maybe the entire muscle. And so when you're doing something that requires like the full muscle explosion effort, it it wakes up some of these like dormant muscle fibers. Um, So do you have anything to add kind of to that improved neuromuscular connection and how strength training can help with that well I like how you said that you know when you're trying to lawn you're used to maybe running mm-hmm. easy your your muscles are using the most mm-hmm. um, you know the most called upon muscle groups to right. to do the work right and so as you start to increase training stimuli maybe you add more distance or more speed um, the injuries can arise if you haven't been waking up the entire muscle group and so that's why it's important to add the strength training in because it gets entire muscle fiber like it's called the motor group firing and so it can just become stronger and rely on helping pitch in if if that muscle starts to tire so think about that you know that it doesn't need to um, just jump down to the next muscle and then rely on the calf or the soleus and so I think that yeah it's really important that you're working on strengthening pretty much every every um, muscle group in the in the leg area especially you know your hamstring glutes quads everything you can do to um, you know, not neglect one specific area just, just because you don't want one area to become too dependent on, on itself for, for helping propel you forward. Right, definitely. So, so many good things we covered in this podcast. Kind of on the first half up there, we talked about um, injury prevention and how strength training can really help with injury prevention and chatting about going to physical therapy and the benefits of finding those imbalances within your body so that you can work to correct them so that you can be a more consistent runner. Um, and then we also talked about even if you don't have injury problems or you know you are someone that's really on top of all these little PT things and strength training, um, increasing the load with your strength training can help with the raw speed and that finisher's kick. It can also help improve your running economy and help you have stronger form at those later miles of the marathon. And it can also help with improved neuromuscular connections, with which can make you Um, a faster runner as well. So there's so many benefits to strength training if you are a runner. And even if you're not a runner, there are so many benefits to strength training, right? It's something that everyone should be incorporating. We do recommend strength training two to three times per week. Even 20 to 30 minute sessions can go a very long ways. And it's extremely important to prioritize this. Even if you are running, you know, seven plus hours per week or whatever it may be, it's super important to prioritize strength training. So if you do need to cut down on your running to implement some of these strength trainings, we actually do recommend that you do that so that you are able to get the benefits of strength training because consistency is so key and these little injuries and things that flare up can really sneak up on you if you're not doing these preventative exercises. So we also recommend that you would do the strength training on your hard running days or within 24 hours of those hard running days. And then you want to give your body a full, you know, two to three days in between hard efforts and hard lifting 
um, so that you can fully recover and you would just run easy on those days or take rest days. So you want to keep the hard days hard and the easy days easy. And if this is something that's really interesting to you and you want to implement some of this within your own running, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.com and on the drop down menu, strength training, you can fill out our form for a free week of strength training. It's all in an app and you get videos and descriptions of every exercise. So you would just get a week of strength training for free. And so you would get examples of what this could look like and it's specific for runners. So again, if you're interested in getting a free week of strength training, you can go to our website at www.runforprs.com, drop down strength training and fill out our form there for a free week of strength training. So thanks for tuning in.